0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Simply Cyber Live. I am your host, Gerald Lozier. And in the next hour, we are going to be talking with Robe Von Rui. Uh, He is from Belgium, so I'm totally butchering his name. He also goes by the online handle, Pink Draconian. I will be referring to him as Pink for the remainder of the episode, so I uh, at least can say that correctly. Now, listen, you may have heard of bug bounty. You definitely have heard of offensive security. But you know, is it really an avenue, a path towards an actual job or is it some niche market that really, um, you know, there's a lot of education out there, but there isn't a lot of opportunity or it's really for only the, the most elite of elite people who can execute on it. Today, we're going to be talking with him about how he has progressed in his career, how he has used his education and knowledge to produce content and his novel approach on how he got his job. He is currently the Hacking Manager at Integrity, which is the equivalent of the Bug Bounty Board for the European Union, similar to HackerOne or BugCrowd if you're here in the United States. It's gonna be awesome. He is just so well-spoken, such a nice individual. I can't wait to introduce you to him. Let's go get him. All right, Peng, how you doing, man? Yeah, love, love seeing you. So I didn't say it in the intro, if you have questions throughout the show, please drop drop them in chat with the queue up front. Uh, pretty standard fare here on the channel and we'll get going with Robbie or with Pink. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm focused on calling you Pink. Actually, in
1: the introduction, you said it quite, quite well. So, I mean, that's, that's very good. <laughs>
0: oh, all right. Well, wonderful, wonderful. So, okay. So, Pink, now you, you have tons of different things going on and we're going to talk about uh, many of them today, but I guess let's just kind of talk about uh, who you are and a little bit about your background because a lot of people um, have heard about you from me teasing it up coming up but many people aren't familiar with your work so can you kind of just give a brief intro on who you are and what you're into
1: yeah perfect so i am Robert. i am 21 years old i live in belgium and i work for integrity which is a bug bounty platform outside of that i also make content which is uh, technical offensive content So the goal there is to uh, teach people about how they can hack things and uh, hopefully how they can use that in their future uh, to get a job and all that cool stuff. And that's really what I do. Currently I'm running a series on my YouTube channel that dives deep into binary exploitation. So really close to the bits and the bytes. Um, But I've also talked about uh, web application security, uh, mobile security and all that. Um, So I try to really Uh, be a jack-of-all-trades in uh, the cybersecurity world. I want to know a bit of everything. I mean, obviously, I would love to know everything of everything, (laughs) but I've come to terms with the fact that that is impossible. So I'll have to uh, switch attention, obviously. But yeah, that's really what
0: I do. Yeah, I love it. So, you know, one of the things that come up just while you're talking is like your your enjoyment of binary exploitation. I saw on your channel, you know, you've got really a nice tutorial on assembly and reversing. So at 21, I can't. I, you don't want to begin to know what I was doing at 21 or what I was up to. But I assure you, it was not binary exploitation. Do did you come from a formal uh, computer science university education in Europe? Do they have like a STEM program or, or, or kind of what's your academic background that drove you to this?
1: Yeah, so I mean that's an interesting one because uh, I'm not really an academic person. Uh, but in high school, I studied uh, Latin, which is totally away from computers. Just because in in, in Belgium, we don't really have any computer-oriented or IT-oriented things to study in in high school. Uh, But when I got out of that, I went into university, started uh, computer science, and I absolutely hated it. Like, I I just did not enjoy it. After a year, I felt like I couldn't program. I passed a bunch of classes, but I really felt like I didn't learn anything. So I dropped out of university and I went into... um, well, Well, in Belgium, we have university and then we have college. And college is like more practical uh, and shorter. So only three years and you only get a bachelor's. So I did that for three years. uh, And that's where I fell in love with cybersecurity. Um, And because college was a bit easier, I didn't have to spend a lot of time on schoolwork, but I was able to spend a ton of time going on Hack the Box, uh, doing all of these weird things, playing CTFs every weekend, all weekend long. And yeah, that's how I just got into the world and then kept going. And, And now I'm here, which I'm very happy about.
0: You know, we talk about all the time in the Simply Cyber Discord community and on the stream with other guests and stuff about how, how important it is to just like get in there and get your hands dirty, dig into the labs. Because, you know, pr- like in 2022, practical skills really are what is in demand. Can you do it or can you not do yep. it? Um, so, you know, I guess what was it about, cause I, I, and I'll get to this in a little bit. I see that you have, s- uh, security operations experience. So you were at one point dabbling on the blue side, but yeah, you've yeah. obviously leaned super heavily into the red. What, what is it about the red, uh, that you enjoy or, or what is it about the red that I guess calls to you?
1: I guess breaking things. I, I much rather break stuff than fix it. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I also love blue teaming. Like, I, I love that as well. It's just red teaming appeals to me that little bit more because I feel like I can get really creative in what I do and, and I can really go wherever I want. Um, but I would, I would also be incredibly happy if I had a, had a job in blue teaming, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, as long as I get to be technical, really. And I felt like it was easier for me to learn uh, red teaming technical skills on my own than it would be to learn blue teaming skills on my own. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've been teasing this all week and I teased it in the opening. And when we first spoke, uh, you know, just, I just reached out to you. I was like, let's talk. Okay. So when we first spoke, you told me how you got your job at Integrity and I was absolutely throttled. So can you share with, share with the group, like how you got your job and, you know, kind of like what your decision-making was on how you approached it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was uh, in college, I was doing all of this stuff, playing a lot of hack the box and a lot of CTFs, and it was great. I was doing it every day. But at, at a certain point, I felt like I was kind of um, stagnating, I'm coming to a halt of learning. I was I was doing these really hard boxes and I could solve them one time, but I really did not fully understand what was going on. So I wanted a way to kind of like solidify my knowledge. So that's when I started writing write-ups and all of that. Uh, but then i also started thinking well eventually this right now is a hobby for me but eventually i want to make this my profession that's my goal i don't want to go into development i mean i like that but i, I really want to go into security and people always told me it's really difficult to become a pen tester. it's almost impossible you you have to get all the certs you have to pay the money for oscp osc uh e whatever and I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend $1,000 on a certificate that tells me that I have the skills that I know that I already have. Yeah. So I, I went into looking for different ways of, of, of kind of um, showing the people out there or, or having a tangible way of showing people that I do have those skills because I know it, but nobody else knows it, knows it and I have to prove it. And my write ups and my videos, because I started creating a lot of videos on challenges, showing a technical deep dive into why a challenge worked, how you could solve it, all of that. And I saw that that those getting some traction was really valuable in trying to look for a job. And it's obviously not just videos. It can be anything from even just performances in CTFs, because I first got to talk to uh, Integrity, because I did really well in the Belgian cybersecurity challenge, uh, which is a, the Belgian competition. I won that and through winning that, I got into contact with Integrity. So that, that's where my first contacts came. So just performing well in these free events, CTFs are entirely free to to compete in, um, making videos, making content, but it could also be writing your own tools, all of that, and even bug bounty. And on the blue team side, there's probably also a bunch of things that you could do that could show you that you or show employers uh, that you have those skills. Because in the end, if you see a a job application form, they're asking for a lot of things. Uh, But what they're asking for in an applicant is not really what they really want. They want a cert because they want somebody with the skills that comes with that cert. So in reality, they just want those skills. They don't don't care about the cert uh, in most cases, obviously it depends sometimes. So if you can, find a way to show that you have those skills without having to pay a ton of money, then, I mean, that's for me the best way to go. That's, that's really, really nice. And I think that is very much possible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I, what I think about it and how I went, uh, how I got into integrity.
0: So, th- so integrity had a, this opening and they, they approached you because they had known you from the CTFs and stuff and, and said, Hey, what, what do you think? Do you want to do this work? Is that kind of how it went?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, actually I, I was at the time I was still studying, um, so i wasn't looking for a job i wanted to finish my degree and, and but i had to I had to find an internship um in my internship i was studying ai uh and robotics so nothing mm-hmm. to do with cybersecurity. and so my internship had to do with ai and, and, and robotics so i just started talking with with integrity and i was like well look i really like you guys i want to work there but right now i have to do something in ai so do you have anything that i can come do in ai in the meantime so i can already get to know the team and whatnot yeah, they gave me a nice project. I worked on that, uh, finished. And then afterwards I was like, hey, I want to start working. I don't want to do AI stuff in integrity. I want to do security stuff. Uh, I love making videos. What can you, what can you get me? And then Hacker Manager was what came out of that, uh, something where you have to be technical, but also social, uh, which were luckily some assets that I had at the
0: time. Yeah, I, I love it. So, you know, I guess, you know, in, in synopsis, and this is this is why I love it, because I regularly tell people that they should be getting out there and, you know, contributing, right? Like, yeah. you know, networking is important, but it's not all about like, oh, hey, you work at in Integrity. Can I have a job at Integrity? Hey, you work at, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's about contributing, adding value to your community. And these things come up and you're seen and recognized as someone who can deliver that. So creating a YouTube channel and writing blog posts and participating in CTFs all of which are essentially free right there are some yeah. some some costs if you want to like beef up your camera and stuff but for the most part it's free and you didn't pay for an osp uh oscp boot camp or cert or you know, all of those things and i just i just love it because it's such a it's a, such a refreshing story that there are many ways to get into the industry it does not have to be this cookie cutter four year university yeah. You know, three-year certs, IT help desk, and then then you're in. Like, you, you've unlocked the code, right?
1: I hate that idea because it so undermines passion. Like, passion is what you need to get into the field. But if you have to work in a, in a help desk for three years
0: mm-hmm. to show your
1: worth, I mean, I I could imagine myself doing that, working in help desk right now. All my passion would just leave my body. I would feel <laughs> kind of a disgust or a hate. Uh, I mean, that's obviously maybe a bit amplified. but Yeah, yeah.
0: It would kind of yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be happy uh yeah so let's talk about bug bounty since that's what you you manage for a living um let me ask you you know i've played around with bug bounty i've never like really hammered against a client or anything can you can you kind of peel back the layers and just explain what bug bounty is in general and then I want to drill into a little bit more detail of how real, like the reality versus the perception yeah. of how people sell it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Bug Bounty right now, a lot of people have a lot of ideas of it. A lot of people see a lot of things on Twitter and whatnot, people making big bank. But there's obviously a, re- a reality there. There's also a place where Bug Bounty started because Bug Bounty didn't start as a way to get rich. And it's it's still not that. Uh, Bug Bounty kind of started to provide a... a a legal framework for hackers to do what they love because before Bug Bounty was a thing, hackers also hacked companies and, and they <laughs> loved it as well. But then hackers came to a point where they had to decide, well, okay, I find I found a vulnerability. Do I tell the company and potentially get legal reper- repercussions mm-hmm. or do I keep silent about the, about the vulnerability or do I go full on black hat? And uh, yeah, back then, I mean, that choice was very very hard because there was not really a legal, sound, ethical way of of going going on. So Bug Bounty kind of emerged as a a contract between. I mean, it's a contract, more like um, a statement between a company where a company says says, "Hey, look, you're allowed to hack us. Let us know of your vulnerabilities." I mean, and that's actually called vulnerable disclosure. Uh, but after a while, companies started seeing. Um, That a lot of researchers were pretty much doing free work for them uh, and to move on to get to really uh, move on there they would pay researchers for their findings so they would say well if you find vulnerabilities of a certain severity so a very critical one you get a payment from us but then companies found that it was very difficult to manage all of that because once people can get money there's going to be a lot of people handing in shit handing in mm-hmm. terrible things that are not really vulnerabilities. So companies found themselves have, doing a lot of work on assessing, is this actually a vulnerability? I mean, this is just nitpicking here, should we pay for that? And that's where Bug Bounty uh, platforms emerged. So uh, things like Integrity, HackerOne, Bugcrowd, uh, they emerged to solve that problem, to kind of be an interface between the hackers and the companies. So a company comes to Integrity says, hey, we want to get valuable vulnerabilities. Uh, Integrity says, okay, we'll handle that. We- we tell the hackers, you can hack this company, the hackers hand in their submissions, which are either valid vulnerabilities or they're, well, not vulnerabilities, that shit. We then filter out all of that messy stuff and we just were able to give the companies uh, a nice thing. Here, this is a, an actual vulnerability, take a look at it, fix it, and then we, you can pay the researcher that amount. And that is pretty much the uh, whole idea behind Book Bounty.
0: Well, how realistic though, because I mean, like you said, you see, you know, uh, Jason Haddix and Stoke and you see some of these big people who are like, you know, I mean, they're not really flashing big six figure paychecks, but you hear about these, these events where it's like, oh, this, this individual got $75,000 in one stroke or whatever. And, but you have like a million people on the platform. So, you know, they're not all flashing $50,000 checks. So what what is the reality of? Uh, I guess two parts what's the reality of like a normal person who has some chops finding vulnerabilities in 2022 and then what is the practicality of it being kind of a a revenue a source of revenue that's practical for living
1: yeah so there's really three classes of people that do bug bounty first of all you have that elusive top tier class of of actual people that are actually making a full living out of it and that that's a really tiny amount of people Uh, but I guess it it may seem like there's a ton of them because on Twitter you see a lot of things you can never verify if those things on Twitter are real so uh, a lot of those statements might be exaggerated or faulty but a lot of them are obviously true because there are uh, uh, I I guess a hundred some people that are actually making a nice living out of bug bounty. Then you also have a very bottom class and these are people that have seen the big money, they've seen those tweets and they say oh I want to do that as well and they are not really consistent. They're not getting bounties. They're they're looking for the easy way out. They're just running tools against against companies and, and not really getting anything out of it. And though that's on the opposite side uh, and the result of those top people getting very very popular. But then you also have that middle class, and I guess that's where any sane. No, I mean the top people are also sane, but I'm,
0: that's yeah. where any
1: normal human being uh, would find themselves or if you start out bug bounty that's probably where you would find yourself if you avoid that bottom class and those are the people that are doing it uh, for fun in their free time because they like they like hacking uh, they've probably gotten a couple of nice uh, fines, they've probably gotten a cool payout but they're obviously not making enough to make a full living out of it mm-hmm. um, and i think that middle class is something that, that they don't get enough people don't see, think that they exist. They only think, oh, there's the, there's the, the bag bounty hunters is what we sometimes refer to them. People that are pretty much beg for bounties for things that aren't really a thing. And there's a top. People, people miss that whole middle class. But I think that, those, that middle class is the most valuable uh, people because they are really passionate. They fully do it in their free time just for fun because they enjoy hacking mm-hmm. or because they want to learn. And actually at Integrity, we did a, a whole study of why do people do bug bounty? And 70 seventy percent of people said they just do it to learn the money is a really nice plus like if you find something that's really cool but if you have aspirations of becoming becoming a pen tester why not just train your methodology for free on real companies uh, if you get a, if you find something there it's great it's a really big plus if you find something it's great on your CV like any pen test company would love to see it if you find a cool found
0: uh, find and an,
1: but yeah, so, so people only focus on the top, but there's this whole middle class where most people would find themselves.
0: Yeah. Devnil Zen asks, uh, you know, do you recommend doing bug bunnies as a good way to refine your skills? You know, someone who's, who's working on you know, sharpening the skills, learning new tools, et cetera? Uh, definitely.
1: Uh, um, I should say there though, you should always have your expecta- expectations set correctly. If you start hunting because you want money, you're going to fail. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to work out. If you start hunting to refine your skills, for example, you just learn about a new tool, you have tested it out on a lab uh, and that worked out great in the lab because the lab was created to be vulnerable. And now you wanna test it out in the real world, see how it runs, that's a great thing to do. Um, But yeah, to refine your skills, it should really be refining your skills. You cannot just gain skills from looking uh, at real companies. So I would would always say start with labs where you know something is vulnerable so you can really understand the vulnerability Mm -hmm. and then go wild because in the wild the cases cases aren't always that clean cut and it might be a lot of uh, things so if you first practice it in a lab and then refine it in the real world in bug bounty that that's the best way of using bug bounty in my opinion
0: so jose asks you know would you go straight to the bug bounty platform to learn so i'm thinking this is maybe to pick up the skills and the education piece of it uh,
1: I would, I would not, you, you could technically do that. And there's actually a, a bunch of stories that I know of people that actually, um, they were, for example, browsing on a company, they accidentally found something that didn't look right. They tried to submit it and, and through that, they got into bug bounty. However, that's, that's very unique and, and it might not happen a lot, but I would say find a good, um, a good ratio between it. Start with learning hundred percent of the time, just focus on solely learning. After a couple of months, you might have some vulnerabilities down and then you can say, okay, well, a couple of days in the week, I'm going to still be learning, but then I'm going to try one day in in the week, in the evenings to just start hunting, start learning about all of that and then seeing how that goes. Um, And then you will quickly notice that in the wild, oh, damn, I am really missing this skill set. And then in your learning days, you can focus on that again and bring that. So it should be like a a cycle of learning and uh, hacking. So you shouldn't make that full switch, but really try to... Go slowly into it. Roll into it.
0: I find that interesting that you would recognize a gap in your in your uh, in your talent, uh, and, and then want to go get education in in a, in, a, in uh, instead of not seeing the gap and actually just trying to understand. Because we have a phrase here in the United States. It's like when when uh, all you know how to use is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? So it, it's yeah, interesting yeah. that you would recognize that. Now, one thing that I'm curious about, and I've heard a couple professional or you know, people who are big into bug bounties say, and I'm curious on your perspective on it. You know, like OWASP top 10, right? There's you know, cross-site script and cross-site request forgery. Would you recommend being like the cross-site script person or would you recommend trying to learn what all the OWASP top 10 are and try to look for all of them when you're doing bug bounties?
1: So this really depends on your goal. If your goal is to use bug bounty as a fun thing to do, and and in my opinion, that's where you should always start, then I would indeed use it, uh, learn about everything a little bit, and that way find what you like want to expertise in maybe. But uh, if you know a bit of everything, it's also easier to kind of progress in your career to become a pen tester, for example. But if you want to go for the big bucks in bug bounty, then it's very smart to really focus on one thing. Because as a bug bounty hunter, you can, for example, I mean, James Kettle did it with um, HTTP smuggling. He really, like he redefined all of that research, got the best into it and then found really high profile uh, HTTP smuggling vulnerabilities in a ton of different companies. And that's something that bug bounty allows you to do. Whereas as a pen tester, for example, you have to focus on all kinds of vulnerabilities on a company. So you have to find not only the XSSs but also the mm-hmm. SQL injections. Uh, and there, if you're really focused down and narrowed down on one topic, it might not be as, as advantage. So it kind of depends on which game you're playing. Um, I would say to start off with getting a, a nice base and everything so that you can do whatever you want and then pick one to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the question on what are you gonna focus on? Cause you could focus on XSS, but a lot of people do that. There's a lot of people really hammering down on XSS. Um, whereas there are some other things that, that might not be seen a lot in bug bounty that would also be very interesting. That, that, because I, and I, for example, know somebody that really focuses on game hacking. There's obviously not a lot of game companies in bug bounty yet but he's really building himself a skill set that once a gaming company comes to bug bounty, he can immediately jump onto that and get all of those bounties. Whereas with XSS, you're battling it out with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, That again, depends on the game you're playing. If you really want to go for bug bounty full time, which I do not recommend doing from the start, then it's indeed good to to focus on, on, on one thing or a couple of vulnerabilities really deeply.
0: We hear sometimes about private bug bounties versus versus public bug bounties. And I personally, you know, I I I've been trained in red team and off sec and stuff, but I'm I'm like a newborn calf trying to learn how to walk. I'm just like all you know, I just so I leave it to you guys. But can you kind of explain private versus public bounties in case people in chat hear that term and when they're trying to explore bug bounty?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, various types of, of, of states that a bug bounty, a company can be in in bug bounty. So the first state that we all know is you're fully open. So that means anybody can know that you have a bug bounty program, anybody can hunt on that, anybody can get uh, the rewards from that. Um, and that is something that's <clears throat> that we see a lot of big companies in, uh, companies like, for example, Snapchat or, or, or whatever, all of these really big companies, they're, they do that because they are very mature in this, their security. They have big security teams. They can handle that amount of loads. However, today we're also seeing a lot of smaller companies that are willing to improve their security. They're already doing pen tests, but they wanna, they wanna go that one step further. And for them, it's not feasible to just unleash a thousand researchers on their application because one, maybe their application just can't handle that traffic from all those scanners and all that. But secondly, also, if all of those thousand researchers start finding vulnerabilities, they just don't have the security capacity to fix all of them in a timely manner, or they just don't have the budget to pay for all those bounties. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they open up in an in an invite-only kind of circuit where only invited researchers know that they have a bug bounty program and, and are, allo- are, allo- are allowed to hack on them, which mm-hmm. gives them kind of a way of, of, of slowly scaling that up. So they can start with 20 researchers. Okay, they see, okay, we're getting a couple of vulnerabilities, we can still handle the loads. We could even handle some more. So then they invite uh, 20 more, 100 more. And then after a while, as they've matured, they might, or the goal is always to open them up after a while to make sure that their maturity, uh, security matures until that's possible. And this is a whole big thing in Bug Bounty because obviously researchers want to get invited because it's a chance to hack a company that has only been looked through by a handful of other researchers, whereas <laughs> if you go for those open companies that everybody has looked at, that you might have slimmer odds. Um, to do, on, on one end, that's definitely correct. These invites are, can be very, very valuable. However, uh, don't be afraid of open programs just because a thousand researchers may have already looked at it because a thousand researchers haven't done a really deep dive into everything. If a company has 200 subdomains, not every researcher has looked at all those 200 subdomains and in depth people have forgotten things and new bounties are found or like new vulnerabilities are still found every week on those big open companies. I can assure you that from being on the, on the company side that they're, vulnerabilities keep on getting found even though 10s 20s 30 researchers have looked over it but the value there's a big value in those uh, private programs or those invite only programs and for that you have to you have to get invites Um, and the best way to get invites is to uh, already start hacking on these open programs and find a single vulnerability there and that will most likely grant you a couple of invites that you can start working on and that way get into it. Um, but it adds a bit of a learning curve to by grantee where at the beginning you start in a very hard place because all these open programs that have been checked a lot and then as you get better, you get more invites and it starts, I mean, starts getting easier. It's not easier. You're still hacking real <laughs> companies that real researchers have looked over. It's never easy. I mean, sometimes easy things are found, uh, but, but it's not simple. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how that whole world works.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't know if they celebrated in Belgium, but it's like going uh, looking for an Easter egg in the backyard after all the six-year-olds have run through. Yeah, you might find one like up top on the playground hidden behind the slide or something. But for the most part, they're not just going to be in the grass, right? right?
1: But it's also fun that you have that challenge that, you know, like if you find something and you know, like a lot of people have looked through it, then you can be really proud of yourself because that's that's really cool.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's very satisfying. I know, you know, even academically when you, when, like in me or Hack the Box, like when you pop a box, it, oh, yeah. it feels very satisfying. So a, a couple, uh, it's not really questions, but there's a couple of things in chat that I'd really like uh, to get your thoughts on. Carrie and Brian were having a discussion around mm-hmm. prerequisite knowledge that is really needed or valuable. And okay. they were looking at uh, computer networking, and kind of SOC analyst position work. So, And I know that you're a previous uh, SecOps guy. So what what kind of prerequisite knowledge do you think someone would need? Because a lot of people are coming into the industry from not in IT. Some people are coming from IT but not in InfoSec. Some people are coming from GRC side in InfoSec and coming over. What what do you think about prerequisite kind of knowledge to get in here?
1: I mean, to get into bug bounty, it's... Mm -hmm. It really depends on what you want to do. Um, And that's the nice thing. Uh, There's no no knowledge that you need to know to do bug bounty. I I actually know of somebody who was a law student and they started hacking a a kind of software solution for uh, advocates or like jurists and all of that. And because they understood that whole application so well, because obviously they were studying a lot, they understood all the flows of data, they were just able to find a vulnerability there. So they, they use their skills um, as a law student to get an actual hacking vulnerability. So so stuff like that is, is possible. Um, I also know a lot of people that are not technical at all. They have very little technical knowledge, but they just love reading manuals and they love finding mistakes in manuals, like seeing, oh, well, this manual says this is allowed. And over here, it says this is allowed. Well, what's the case? They go and check it and they see, hey, oh, well, there's a third thing that's allowed and that causes this issue. Um, so they are not really technical at all. All they know is maybe how to speak with APIs. Um, but then you also obviously have the, the web security folk that are really into web security and if client side issues such as XSS, and obviously if you're gonna go hunt for XSS, then you will probably want to know JavaScript or how the web works at least in mm-hmm. order to do that effectively. So this really depends on what you want to hunt for, what type of issues you wanna go for. Um, if you want to go all around then you have to learn a bit of everything um but yeah i mean there's so many paths if like i know a lot of people that don't know any web things they 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 really focus on mobile security and they've gotten some really nice bounties out of that so whatever you know try to use that and what i also always like to say is try to carve your own path people seem to be really upset obs- obsessed with these learning tracks learning paths that tell you oh start with this go to this go to that Mm-hmm. But then everybody is learning the exact same thing and you're battling it out to find the exact same vulnerability with a lot of people. Whereas if you just go from um, your own interests, you say, oh, well, how does that work? I want to I get into that. Then you're going to really carve your own path. It's going to be harder to learn, but you're going to what you learn is going to stick with you because you've done your own research. You're not just regurgitating something that somebody else wrote, some, some, that somebody said was the best way to go. And carving your own path is I think the most valuable way, not only for bug bounty, but also for the rest of your career, um, because then you really get into doing your own research because at some point, all of those learning paths, they're gonna stop. There's not gonna be easy, simple tutorials and labs for for some vulnerabilities that you're gonna wanna look into. You're Mm -hmm. gonna have to do research on your own. And if you've never done that, that can be quite a wall that I see a lot of people running into right now, people that like only ever focused on try hack me or hack the box, Um, so yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and it sounds like that would be an opportunity to blog about it maybe create a YouTube channel uh, for this content that doesn't have any uh, published knowledge on, right? And become, exactly. become the person who people go to for it, right? So d- following up on that, uh, Sam Rudy asks, you know, what, what about programming languages? You know, we talked about skills and stuff. Any, any languages worth uh, spending your energy on?
1: So for pen testing, um, I, I would say Python as a scripting language. So you wanna know at least one scripting language because you wanna easily and quickly be able to write an exploit easily and quickly be able to automate some task. That's, that's a must. Uh, then if you're looking into the web, which most of pen testing is, then you definitely wanna learn JavaScript. Uh, also a must if, if you wanna get into technical things on the web. Uh, but besides that, it's all up to you if, if you wanna go for, uh, I mean, PHP, if you're gonna go on the web as well, uh, if you want to start looking into binary exploitation and I would probably suggest C, C++. Um, if you want to get into Java, you could get into deserialization and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, but the nice thing is here here is I start with learning a couple of languages, get good in, at those. And then these other languages, they will all just follow. Like I never learned PHP But just from looking at so much PHP code online and just kind of seeing what it does, now I can write PHP without any issues. Uh, And I I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like these, once you know a couple of languages, all of the principles are, you have those in your fingertips and you can really easily uh, cross them over to a different language.
0: Yeah, and I, I personally always suggest Python just because it 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 almost reads the way it's written, so it's very you don't have to understand a lot of programming logic or anything like that to 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 kind of pick it up and it's not nearly as brutal as like Java where there's so much structure to it and stuff so yeah uh, and a lot of tools are written in Python frankly, so when you find a tool on GitHub or whatever, you're able to modify it, adjust it uh, make it do what you need it to do for your particular use case there
1: actually, I uh, have yeah, anything on python uh, that i uh, I spoke with somebody today who also uh, went to college in Belgium, but at a totally different college. And they started in their first year. The first programming that they learned was C. And he told me that everybody hated it. And like after the first year, more than half of his class dropped out because they just couldn't cope with C. Whereas at my college, we started out with Python. And I still remember at the end of the year, we still had over 60% of the class that we started with still present there. So yeah, start with Python and then then move forward would be a great advice there.
0: It's funny you say that too. Like I, I went through computer science for undergrad and we actually jokingly said that though you have to take programming one and two as your first two classes. And we joked that it was like a weed out class. Like it was intentionally designed so that the professors wouldn't have to teach at the sophomore level, you know, 800 kids. Um, so yeah, interesting. We did uh Java though. Java was like the hot the hotness back oh, in yeah, yeah. the late 90s when I <laughs> you know, back, back a million years ago when I went through school. Uh wait, you're yeah, you're 21, so yeah, the late 90s. Yeah. You you probably read about it in a history book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like with the dinosaurs and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it was great when they invented dirt. I was there. It was great. <laughs> So uh, I, Game Lira uh, says, you know, how do you approach a company or organization to offer your skills as a pen tester? So you've got some chops, you want to offer them up. Any, <laughs> any recommendations or suggestions, maybe things not to do or to do?
1: Don't go, okay, first thing, do not look for a vulnerability in a company and then go to that company and say, hey, I found this vulnerability, you can buy it from me for that amount. Do not do that at all. That's, first of all, very illegal. Like, Mm -hmm. depending on where you live, it's very illegal or really illegal. Uh, So so do not do that. Uh, I I, I mean, if you want to offer your skills as a pen tester, don't go approaching companies because they won't accept that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Companies, bigger companies that want a pen test, uh, they need the certifications to prove all of that, to go for their ISO 27, whatever. They they need all of that advanced stuff. But... If you want to start out, start with with uh, maybe companies that you know, for example, I don't know, your friend is running a website or whatnot, offer to him, hey, can we work something out? Start with getting those skills there. Uh, mm-hmm. Start with Bounty where you know those companies have a clause that says, hey, you're allowed to hack us, uh, but definitely do not go randomly approaching companies because that will look very bad. I mean... It's, it's like somebody messages you and says, hey, I can offer you uh, my digital designing skills. Do you want to buy them? You're probably not going to say yes to that. You're only going to look for a digital designer if you if you need one. You're not just randomly going to say yes yes to those things. So uh, it, it's a tough one to start if you want to get uh, start doing pen testing. And that's why all the things that I said in the beginning, um, try to look for a job at, for example, a pen testing firm and then try to prove your skills to them by Uh, having done big bounties by having a youtube channel write-ups all of that maybe certifications if you want to spend money on that obviously also possible so so go through a more official way or start your own pen testing company and do it really properly uh
0: yeah yeah that's exactly like i agree 100 percent with everything you said including the do not do uh (laughs) part but yeah really i mean if you were a sole proprietor and you had skills and you were going to offer them I think, you know, establishing a business, call it a consulting service and then going and trying to sell like, oh, hey, you guys need to do annual penetration testing for PCI compliance or whatever. Like what, what, what is, what is the, like, what's the value add to the organization and you can help them definitely don't do what he said, because that's like extortion. Like your example of game design, I mean, uh, graphic design. I don't even know if that goes far enough because basically you're saying Mm. like, I know, I know of a way to break into your house where you yeah. won't know I broke in while you're gone on vacation. I'll tell you, if you pay me, it's like, it's creepy and it's scary, right? You're, you're, that's why it's illegal in some countries. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So absolutely a hundred percent agree. Um, what about, um, which, like what forums, like, so, you know, if you're interested in like all sorts of cyber stuff, you can go to like simply cybers discord server. If you're into pen testing, maybe you go to, uh, Red Team Village at DEF CON uh, in the United States. Like, What what kind of forums or avenues, since you, you roll in these circles, Pink? Uh,
1: I would say, first of all, Twitter. Uh, get on Twitter. Start following some folks. Um, maybe start with some of the YouTube creators uh, that, that you know. Um, people like John Hammond, all of those. Look at who they are interacting with and that way flow into there. That's a great way of, of getting to know people. And then... Uh, to really start chatting with people, there's a ton of, of a ton of Discords out there. You have the, you have the Hack the Box Discord, for example, the Try Hack Me Discord. We have our own Integrity Discord. Um, Hacker One has, has their own Discord. Uh, there's also a CyberSec Labs Discord. There's a, there's a ton of those uh, out there, and uh, perhaps also the comment sections on, on YouTubers. Um, there's this great list Se- uh, security. Creators.video. I will uh, maybe we could quickly link that. Oh, yeah, so,
0: here. I'll, I'll pull it up. Uh, I think I'm on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think you are uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, I saw you there. So, yeah, security a, a, a creators.video. Creators. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I need the domain. Did you drop it in chat? Oh, yeah, they're, they're. yeah, I dropped it in chat. Okay, keep talking. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, so this is just a list compiled of all the security creators that, that we can find out there a ton of very talented people in there, a ton of very active, but also some less active people and and all their social media is there. So this is a great place to start uh, and get going there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is a really great uh, resource. I'm going to drop it in chat uh, so everybody can get to it. Uh, There you go. Thank you uh, for sharing that. That is a totally awesome. There's John Hammond. We all know him. Uh, I'm sure Ipsex in here, Stoke. there, yeah, no, you
1: just covered over him. Katie Stoke. Yeah. You as yeah. well, Simon. Oh, network. yeah.
0: There I am. Look at me. There we are. Yeah, look. It's cool. Yeah. No, this is a great resource and excellent share. Now, one thing that I saw come up and I want to make sure that we touch on it while we're while we have you, uh Pink. You know, like unsolicited comment um youtube regularly bans hacking videos and it's it's so true and by the way youtube sometimes bans non-hacking videos because i've had my benign vanilla content uh (laughs) removed or or struck um so you know you make very um you make material on security content that is more on the side of youtube banning stuff than i What is your experience with your content being censored and how have you handled it?
1: Um, try to talk to a person at Google. The bans that happen are almost all always fully automated systems, AI systems that see, oh, whoa, this is something potentially dangerous and they ban you. But once you get in contact with somebody at YouTube they will fix it. And we are very lucky within the security YouTube uh, YouTubers that we have uh, some people that work at Google in their security teams. And I mean, in our inner circles, we can just go to them. Or if we see any other creator being in trouble, we just go to them and say, hey, can this be checked? And then that works out. YouTube is not on purpose, removing hacking videos, only like the bad ones, the the ones that don't provide any educational uh, thing that they just Try to do malicious stuff. Obviously, those need to be removed, and you can imagine that it's a very thin line to walk on for YouTube. It's very rough to know, and definitely automated systems are are not that good at it. Um, But luckily, this is not a big deal. This is not something that we all like always deal with with every video. I think currently the environment is pretty well. In the past, that there have been worse times, but currently, not really any YouTubers really running into this, uh, if they're producing good content that is educational.
0: Have you had any videos removed?
1: Not removed, uh, struck uh, like, I mean, not permanently removed, like for a little while removed. My channel has had some weird things where all of a sudden YouTube decided that like the timestamps in my videos wouldn't work anymore um so like i have perfect time sense that you can go to certain sections that you want to learn about they just remove those because i don't know maybe they thought that was bad but i just like contacted youtube and said hey what's going on here and they fix it immediately so mm. i mean once you get in touch with a human that really really works
0: yeah i've i've found for some reason i find hyperlinks are the like hyperlinks in the show description for some reason, that's the bot really likes to look at those yeah, yeah, uh, particularly. Yeah. I, I had a video on how to make a, a fishing platform, you mm-hmm. know, using a uh, common uh, set, but it, it was called Black Eye, And that got struck and taken out. And I actually couldn't argue. I didn't even want to argue because I was like, eh, it, it really is. This is how you fish someone's Facebook credentials. Like, it's like, on second thought, maybe I should just stick to what I what I do and leave that alone. Yeah, I, th- I think that there there's
1: also a bar. If you make content that's really accessible to anybody that could like really harm yeah. people immediately, then that's different than me explaining a buffer overflow uh, or me explaining uh, SQL injections. That's not something that you can take and immediately go and ruin the world. Like the, you have to have more skills and to be able to find that and actually exploit that. So yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that's a great point. And that's, unfortunately, that was like the instructor in me, like, oh, let's give you a step-by-step and show you how to fish credentials, <laughs> like dumb, dumb. But so uh, t- taking it back to you as a professional, Pink, and how um, you, you work exclusively in the off-sec space, um, it, it personally for hobby and professionally. But yeah. when I was going back through your profile, I noticed that you spent time in security operations. So, we, a lot of people in chat right now, and and I have said this myself like, really, when you're looking to break into the industry, you should find something you like and lean into it. Uh, Don't try to spread yourself too thin. You know, you went from one side all the way to the other. What, based on your path, what was the value of working in uh, SecOps and why did you switch to Red?
1: So, for me, working in SecOps, it was really just. At that point, I had a long vacation and I was just like, I want to get a job. It doesn't matter what I do. It, it was um, a, a student job. So I was still studying, uh, which meant that for taxes, that was easier and whatnot. But I just wanted to work for a couple of months there. So I started approaching some of the people that I'd already met online within my area. And I was like, hey, anything open, I will take anything in security. I just want to get some real job experience. Uh, and that's when somebody offered me, hey, you can come do that for, for a couple of months. And I learned a ton there, which is, is really important because if you're only doing red teaming, it can sometimes be kind of, what is the blue side doing? What is going on over there? So, so once you get, kind of get a, a little bit of experience there, you, you start to uh, be better at, for example, writing reports and stuff because you know how tough it can be for, for somebody to have to go through something that's bad written and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, at some point just take what you can get and, and and obviously do not go do something that you hate. Take what you can get in, in, in the realm of what you like. Um, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I, I like that. So, I mean, I guess what I'm hearing is it certainly helps, but it's not prerequisite. It's not, no. it's not the, the path like you could just have gone that way. Also what I'm hearing is you got the secops job because of networking. You went to people you had worked with contribute, like, talk to and talk to them about the work not you know linkedin.com and and job search or whatever right
1: no no i I mean i had some videos that got popular i saw some people liking my videos that i saw were working at companies in belgium and i was like oh that's cool i'll just reach out to them because i mean they've liked my videos so maybe i can just ask them hey what's going on Uh, talk to them and that's how how i approached it uh I'm not a big fan of, I've actually never done it. I've never went to like a job searching site, looked through jobs and then saw the description and saw that they wanted all these certifications and all this. I I don't like that system. And you have to send in your application. You have to send in your CV and then go to another page where you have to type everything in your CV again. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of that. Definitely in this niche market. Um, I, I see much more value in actually getting to know people and talking with people, um,
0: yeah. A- agreed, 100%. I can't echo enough how important networking is. So in addition to your SecOps experience, and you had mentioned this earlier, but you were the first place winner of the Cybersecurity Challenge in 2021. You also were the, I think this was a team event, but Bank Red Team CTF first place. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Is that, was that a team event or was that, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a
1: team event, event as well?
0: So we saw in chat a little bit ago, uh, Jess Bishop is doing a CTF for the first time very soon. Uh, congratulations to her. We're going to be talking about a CTF uh, shortly. Um, for someone who has done many CTFs and has succeeded at the highest level in CTFs, what kind of, uh, I guess, tell us about you know your value to ctfs and why people should consider you know participating in them and and also how how to be good at them because you're obviously very good at them
1: how to be good at them is i mean so CTFs are amazing they are they are just you having fun um hopefully with a team like get a team try to connect with people um because that makes it so much more fun so what i did in the beginning was i joined on my own i solved a couple of challenges i started learning but that's pretty boring then i just started going in random discord saying hey there's a ctf coming up anybody who wants to just join me hop on a call with me and play some challenges and that's how i learned so much because i had been doing all of this stuff all on my own but then i started seeing somebody else do it and i said hey you use that tool why do you use that tool and obviously in the beginning that goes a bit slow but after a while you get to know all of these really great people that are doing ctfs and you start to get to know more advanced people and more advanced people. And obviously you're advancing as well. Mm-hmm. And at some point you'll form a real proper team uh, that you'll play with every week and you really get to know all of their strengths and you get it together. Oh, now I'm gonna learn this week all about this because I noticed that we've lacked this skill in the last mm-hmm. CTF and we could have gotten the win if we had that. And and, and from there, it really grows really quickly. Uh, but the value of CTFs is that um, you get this, this this sandbox where you know there's a vulnerability um, you know that it can be a really crazy one most of the times in ctfs you have vulnerabilities that are way more difficult than anything you'll ever see in a pen test or in bug bounty it's, it's some insane stuff but because you know that it's there you can just spend five six hours focusing on that one little part trying to find it um, and you'll learn a ton from that because if you can find the really advanced stuff then obviously you can also find the easy things it's it's a really gamified way of, of of doing security. It makes it a lot of fun. It makes it legal fun. Uh, so yeah, that, that's really all you should need. And, and if you play some of some good CTFs, you'll have a great time. There's obviously also a lot of terrible CTFs that don't really have great challenges. They don't really teach you a lot of things, but once you get into some good CTFs, you'll notice that, that it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to Base, who's a, a regular, he's a mod of Simply Cyber. Uh, they're putting together a team for this upcoming Trace Lab CTF, which is an awesome OSINT uh, one, uh, I'm Ooh. not sure if you've heard of Trace Labs at all, but they they no, help find. Not. It's really cool. It's it's if it's the same CTF I'm thinking of, they actually um, do open source intelligence to help law enforcement find missing persons. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not uh, like yeah,
1: yeah I've, I've seen that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's very no, cool. like next level CTF. No, no, yeah, that's a really cool one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I love it absolutely. So speaking of CTFs. Um, You want to share with us some upcoming uh, projects that you're going to be working on? Like really upcoming? (laughs) Really upcoming. Yeah, no, like at Integrity,
1: we um, have set up a CTF. So we are hosting an event tomorrow. So as you can see on the screen, in 16 hours, it will last 24 hours. Uh, You can find it at ctf.integrity.io. And yeah, this is a CTF. If you've never done a CTF, sign up uh, right there. So if you log in, you'll go to your integrity profile, you can just log in with that um, and start playing. Um, There's some great prizes here, Um, but actually a really cool thing is all of our prizes uh, or or, or all of our sponsor money is going directly to women in cybersecurity. So we've chosen to pay for the city of all ourselves and then the the sponsors that we have to donate that money because it's very important and and very dear to us um, to, to improve the equality in the hacking space. But yeah, this is a great event. We'll have uh, a lot of web-based challenges, also some mobile challenges, also some uh, binary exploitation challenges. We'll have really, really hard ones, but we'll also have uh, easier ones. And uh, we'll be giving away prizes, so $3,000 in prizes uh, overall uh, for the top teams. But also if you just participate and you solve at least one challenge, then at the end, we'll do a raffle of some um, some Pentester Labs, uh, some try Hack Me, uh and, and some JetBrains vouchers. So, we'll, so we'll give a bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff away there. Uh, but yeah, I, I would just say, even if you don't think that tomorrow you'll have any time or Saturday you'll have any time, just sign up and see what happens. So even if you only spend ten minutes on it to get your first experience in in a CTF, uh, try to look at something. You will learn something for sure, and this you will see something, learn something that you will take take for the rest of your life, and that maybe in five years will come back to you and say, "Oh, I'm looking at this. Well, wasn't that that challenge that I did a while back at, at that CTF?" Um, so yeah, that's that's what's going on tomorrow, and all of that is actually a precursor to a really cool event, which is the the Lead Up Life Bug Bounty Conference. Uh, and this is a really cool one. So it starts on Saturday from 4 p.m. CET. I have no idea what that is uh, in, in you guys' time. Um, what what country yeah. is that? Is that Belgium or? Yeah, Europe? that's Europe, mainland Europe. Yeah.
0: Oh, so uh, it's five out. London's five hours ahead of us, so that would be 9 p.m. Six hours ahead of you. Or um, what's that?
1: Six hours ahead of you then. Okay. This- uh, but yeah, this should be, we, we've calculated that it should be in, in like, probably start your morning. It, it'll last about six hours, so it will be on uh, all of uh, Saturday for you guys, um, I guess. And, and we'll talk yeah. about a bunch of things. Um, we'll have talks from researchers, people that have found amazing bounties. We'll have talks from YouTubers such as John Hammond, and insider PhD, uh, who are talking a bit about content creation and and about all of that. We also have talks of uh, somebody who sits on the blue team side. So somebody who sits on the company side and who has seen the great value that Bug Bounty has had. And they will actually talk on something really interesting, uh, which is how they convinced their boss that Bug Bounty was important. So in the beginning, they started with Bug Bounty and they noticed, well, okay, we're not getting a lot of budget from our big boss how do we convince them that this is something really important and that they can really get a return on investment Mm -hmm. of that. Um, so that's a great one. Um, and yeah, Yeah. this event lasts about six hours. It's I'm, I'm so stoked for all of this. Some great speakers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I looked it up, uh, while you were talking, I Googled it since I was getting a popsicle headache doing the math. It's 10 AM Eastern standard time is when this event starts now, uh, Pink, is it, is it free to attend both the CTF and the conference?
1: Both of these things are entirely free. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the whole goal. Um, there will also be recordings of all the talks. Um, so those will be posted on the Integrity YouTube channel that we can maybe uh, quickly link here to you guys so you, so you can uh, check it out. We yeah, had the goal is to have this be free because I think learning resources should be free. Um,
0: what is going on here? There's a bug tattooing on this guy's back.
1: Yeah, so I mean that that's also a really cool thing. Like these, the, the the art that you see there is actually one of our top researchers. So every quarter, every three months, we pick the top three re- researchers on our leaderboard, and we tell, get them in touch with a digital artist, and say, "Look, we're going to get you on the front page of Integrity. Uh, what? How would you like to be drawn?" And it's always bug related. So it's always quite funny. And these this is actually how these people look like, uh, or mimics how they actually look like. So. Uh, uh, that, is, really- that is a
0: fantastic uh prize that's that's awesome dude not only is it like on the front page but it's also like a really cool piece of art like specialized yeah, yeah, yeah. for you
1: so i mean if you want that you'll have to get into the top three which uh i mean it might be a little hard but who knows you might get there uh, in, in some
0: time well you got to start somewhere right
1: exactly exactly you know? i mean actually we have somebody who is 17 years of age who, who made it there started a year ago so it's not Impossible to do it within a year. It's uh, it's yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Jess Bishop. Not everybody starts Grand Champion level. Even like even this this guy right here. At some point, this guy didn't know everything, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so I love it. We're we're getting close to time, um, uh, Pink. So let me let me give you an opportunity. Uh, I'll give you the floor. You can share uh, whatever final thoughts you have with the Simply Cyber community.
1: Okay, perfect. So. Thank you for inviting me uh, to talk here i think it's very interesting i think also you guys are or most of you are on the blue team site which is a very very interesting site i hope that you learned something new about bug bounty uh, maybe some of that that easy way to millionaire bubble has been busted there it's it's not that it's it's way bigger than that it's very important for companies and for researchers if you're ever on a company side looking to get into Big Bounty Contact Integrity and will help you with a lot of that. Besides that, I hope that all of you will start hacking in a CTF soon because CTFs are amazing and can be a great way to kickstart your career. If you really wanna get started tomorrow, then go over to the ctf.integrity.io where you can get started uh, with a really fun CTF. I hope to see you around on my YouTube channel as well where I make content. Right now we're doing a series on on from really basic assembly from really the, the basics to a binary exploitation hero. So zero to hero and binary exploitation. So you can follow along if that's something that you want to learn about. Uh, I, I've already seen that a lot of you are very passionate about what you do, which is really all you need to go really far. So I hope to see you guys somewhere along the the, str- the, the stream of of. of Cybersecurity, and then maybe we'll meet someday in the future so yeah that's all for me all
0: right thanks so much robbie i really really genuinely appreciate you taking the time to come on the channel and speak with us and share all of your expert knowledge dude it's been it's been special thank you thank
1: you very much for inviting me it's so it's been a pleasure
0: absolutely all right so let's let's say goodbye to robbie but let's let's tell you what's coming up next week so guys uh this was kind of i talked to black hills last night about this John Strand's coming on, guys. He came on, if you remember, a couple months ago, maybe, to talk about the active defense and cyber deception. Many of us, including myself, attended that training. This is uh, John's pay-what-you-can model. So if you can pay $4, guess what? You can pay $4. If you can pay $200, you can pay $200. If you can pay zero, you can pay zero. They are not restricting access to this, basically, expert-level education. We did active defense and cyber deception before this is his second of three classes SOC core skills. If you want to work in a SOC, if you want like next level, practical hands-on experience, learning from one of the industry's leaders on how to like work in a SOC, hands-on skills labs. It's a four day, four hour a day training. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to go through all the labs. Well, not all of them. But we're going to go through many of the labs. We're going to explain to you why the education that John is giving you in that training is directly mappable to a sock analyst role. This is effectively like the best boot camp that you could possibly go to for sock analyst skills. And it is pay what you can. It's, it's literally the best of both worlds. So John's going to come on a week from Thursday. We're going to talk to him about it. Talk about the active sock that they're running at Black Hills, a million other things. You guys know John Strand. He's like a cyber Beyonce, right? In the the industry, he knows what's going on. Also, I want to remind everybody, for those who are watching and don't know, every single morning, I am going live 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, tomorrow, Friday, March 11th, 8 a.m., I will be breaking down the cybersecurity threat briefing first things first. 30 minutes. It's the fastest 30 minutes of the day where we cover the top cybersecurity news stories. I break them down, expert analysis. Everybody piles in there. There's like usually a 100 of us. Great chat, great conversation. Coffee cups are clinking. It's a good time. I seriously encourage you to come over. simplysober.io slash FTF if you want to get more information on that one. Okay. Definitely want to have you guys come visit. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Simply Cyber Live. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I did. I hope you enjoyed the new intro. Uh, and, you know, basically, thanks so much. And until next time, stay secure.